The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans, and today I want to help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. I think just the number of curveballs that life threw us and how strong some of those curveballs can be and that they can really knock you off your feet or knock the wind out of you and what it takes to bounce back and the enormous amount of financial responsibility that is involved in just being an adult, especially as you transition from the military. So uh, it's important, I think, for both the transition service member and the spouse to really understand the financial commitments and the responsibilities and everything that goes into having a successful transition and not just having a successful transition, but making a successful transition for yourself, setting yourself up for success. You know, everything from jobs to schools, if you have children to what's the cost of housing to, you know, there's, there's so many different aspects that just um, life can and will throw curveballs at you and you have to be ready to, to tackle those. Today on the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, I would like to welcome Shelly Rose Illig. Rose isn't a veteran, but as a military spouse, she is just as important. Her husband served four years on active duty in the Army and is still serving in the reserve component today. Rose grew up living as an expatriate living internationally, and she's been able to leverage her 20 years of linguistic and international experience working for a financial institution as a business analyst and project coordinator within their global technology division. Today, Rose is here as the spouse of a veteran who is still experiencing elements of the transition process, even though it's several years since his military transition. She understands firsthand what a rocky and bumpy transition can look like and wants to help educate both service members and their spouses on what they can do to prepare for a successful transition. 
Shelly Rose, thank you so much for being here today. My first military spouse participant in the podcast. I appreciate you being here with us. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Happy to be here. So I always start off the podcast by asking, tell us about your transition story. And I kind of feel like you've lived the transition story too as a military spouse. So tell me a little bit about the transition process that your spouse went through. So our decision to transition was made rather promptly, um, less than one year, I'd say less than six months from the actual day of. So uh, everything happened very quickly for us. Um, We, you know, uh, have had a bit of a rocky transition. Um, We moved around a couple of times. Uh, It took us some time for both of us to find new roles, to find our footing, Um, but we eventually landed on our feet. you know, we definitely learned a couple things the hard way. Um, there were are a number of elements that I wish, you know, had been started earlier on or more planning had gone, gone into it. But um, so it, it, it had both its pros and cons. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully you'll, you'll share some of those lessons with us today. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So now um, we mentioned in your introduction that your spouse served in active duty in the army and is now serving in the reserves. Was that always the plan for him to go into the reserves? No, longer term, our plan was for him to most likely ride out his 20 on active duty, primarily due to medical circumstances that that I am in uh, as a spouse. We are an EFMP family, Um, but due to those medical circumstances, we found that some of the stressors of active duty life made it sort of untenable or just very, very difficult. So we did extensive research and discovered that the reserve component offered um, a good blend of the benefits of active army life versus not as busy and not as, as time commitment heavy. So it, it um, and it was the right option for us. Okay, good. So I think it's always something to think about as an option for those that have decided to transition versus retirement, that there is always that reserve component. And I know that for you, it's really important for your medical coverage, correct? Correct. So there are, you know, um, certainly drawbacks to being either in the National Guard or reserve component if you are an EFMP family or you have extenuating special needs, you know, whether they're medical or educational, oftentimes active duty life is better from the benefits perspective. But on the other hand, comes with that, you know, the, the, the typical stru- stressors of uh, active duty life. So the reserve component or National Guard, yes, you may you'll pay some money out of pocket, but you have a little bit more stability in terms of time and commitment. So. Okay. Now, uh, you mentioned earlier that it's been a little bit of a bumpy road, right? So what do you think has been kind of that, the biggest obstacle that your spouse faced? Maybe something that was unexpected. I think for my spouse, one of the biggest challenges has been finding out what he wants to do long-term, both prior to joining the military and then on active duty and now as a reservist. He has done vastly different things from the engineering world mechanical and manufacturing engineering world to um, being a munition specialist on active duty, dealing with, you know, supply and logistics to now as a reservist, being an instructor for his, the MOS that he had on active duty. He's done a variety of different things. Mm -hmm. So figuring out what he wants to do long-term and transitioning really from one 
profession and industry to another, not having all the knowledge that comes with that, I think has been one of the biggest obstacles. I think that um, one of the hardest things is to sit by and watch somebody struggle that you love and, yeah. and not really be able to help. What advice would you give as a spouse who's kind of watched somebody struggle through that? You know, I think there's a fine balance between providing advice and support and help. But sometimes I, I suppose from something I've learned is that help or advice can sometimes be um, perceived in a different way. They, you know, your spouse who's transitioning could see it as nagging. They could see it as potentially feeling like they're being told they're not good enough or whatever they're doing is not enough. They're not sufficient. So I think there's a fine balance between helping and providing support and simply just being patient, you know, being at their side throughout the highs and lows. So it can be a, a hard balance to strike. Okay. Uh, from the spouse's perspective, what do you think was the biggest surprise for you of the transition? What were you not ready for as the spouse? I think just the number of curveballs that life threw us and how strong some of those curveballs curveballs can be and that they can really knock you off your feet or knock the wind out of you and what it takes to bounce back and the enormous amount of financial responsibility that is involved in just being an adult, especially as you transition from the military. So uh, it's important, I think, for both the transition service member and the spouse to really understand the financial commitments and the responsibilities and everything that goes into having a successful transition and not just having a successful transition, but making a successful transition for yourself, setting yourself up for success. You know, everything from jobs to schools, if you have children, to what's the cost of housing, to, you know, there's there's so many different aspects that just... Um, life can and will throw curveballs at you and you have to be ready to, to tackle those. If you had to kind of pinpoint something that you would attribute your success to, and obviously you've made it, right? You're, you're still sitting here. <laughs> so what would you attribute that success to? I think keeping the long-term in mind and making sound and responsible decisions um, for, the, for the both of you, so... Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the biggest, I've seen a lot, right? So I've seen, I've been helping veterans for 15 years now, and I've seen marriages fall apart. I've seen good and bad things happen, right? And so I feel like opening those lines of communication is really important, right? So how, how have you gone about doing that and making sure that you're having those conversations? And, you know, sometimes those are not fun conversations to have, right? I wouldn't necessarily that I have a very good answer for you. It's something that I'm still learning how to do myself. Um, but I think having those conversations is absolutely important. Um, one piece of advice I would have is include your spouse in the conversation and vice versa. Don't keep things from one another. Keep each other in the loop. Discuss pros and cons about decisions, you know, or opportunities or obstacles that might be in the way or potential roadblocks. Um, talk about them. Don't ignore them don't try to hide them don't try to hide behind them keep each other in the loop and just okay. be transparent so yeah i think um it's really important for both sides to talk about their expectations right so i mean that was the biggest breakdown i saw was the, the husband and wife didn't have a conversation about what they expected life to look like after right. the military <laughs> they both have very different 
viewpoints of what it was going to look like. And that caused a really big issue. Yeah. So, okay. Um, and, you know, I know, like you said, you're, you're still working your way through this, right? So um, you're still learning how to do it. And, you know, I, I think that having that open mind and that kind of that willingness to have those conversations is really important, isn't it? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Um, so again, I've kind of seen it all, but I really wanted to have spouses involved in the podcast because I don't know that you get a lot of opportunity to tell your perspective. I think it's important to hear the spouse's perspective of the transition because you're transitioning or transitioned as well, right? So you Mm -hmm. went from that, you know, that very tight knit military community to, you know, I, I believe there are a lot more programs out there now for military spouses, but what do you wish you had known going into the transition, maybe, you know, you know, now it's a lesson that you've learned, but what is it that you wish you'd known as you prepared for that transition? The importance of being, I think, proactive and planning well in advance and networking and having a job lined up and financial responsibility. Um, For example, I didn't know that I was going to be the breadwinner or the sole income earner at times. You know, and I, I had found myself in that position since our transition. Another one I think is the curveballs, just not knowing how often they can come at you. So um, that is something I wish I had known. So. <laughs> if only we all had crystal balls, right? So yeah. <laughs> you talk about planning ahead. Mm-hmm. How far ahead do you wish you'd started? I think you said it's happened a little faster than you expected it to. You had about six months in the process. Six months mm-hmm. in our case, but I absolutely advocate. There are certain elements of the transition, in my opinion, that can be started. There's never like never too early to start networking. You can start three, five, six years in advance because you can never do too much of it. Mm-hmm. The more people know your face, the more people know you, the, the, the stronger relationships you have with people you know, when your transition does come around, um, you'll be better prepared for career opportunities for the future. Don't put it off, you know, continually. Keep at it. Start early. You and I met at a, ne- at a networking event. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of times there are a lot of great events out there for transitioning service members. And I know that industry has a military spouse event usually at least quarterly, Um, but how would you recommend that spouses get involved in that process of networking and building connections to be able to help their service member, their spouse? I definitely recommend getting involved with some of the organizations like American Corporate Partners, Venerati, um, Reds to Industry, have those conversations with other spouses who've been through it, you know, find those organizations and those opportunities to find out what other couples, transitioning couples or transitioning service members and their spouses went through or have gone through and what kind of lessons and advice they would share. Um, You don't want to be unprepared. You want to be as prepared as possible, have as much knowledge and insight as you can so that you can both prepare for the transition. Have you found that you've made, because you're so active in networking, have you found that you've made some connections that have helped your spouse in his career as well as your own career? Yes, I would say I have 
establish connections and relationships with people, relationships with people who could put, who have definitely helped me, ones who could be of help to my spouse, who's this, you know, who, who transitioned from the service, but it takes two to tango. The transitioning service member has to also be willing to engage and meet halfway those resources that are offering to help. You cannot expect for something to fall into your lap without you being proactive and putting in some legwork yourself. So I think, you know, we could encourage both the service members listening who are transitioning and the spouses listening to get involved, get, get your spouse involved in that process. But you also, like you said, you have to be there as well and get engaged. I think that getting the spouse engaged and involved in the transition process will, I, I think, make them feel more positively about it. Don't you? Yeah, um, it's important for both to be involved because they're both going, like you said, they both go through the transition just in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, many spouses, you know, due to frequent PCSs may not have been working at all for years or they may have sort of a patchwork of roles they've held over the years. Either they've been unemployed or, you know, well, under underemployed. And then suddenly, you know, let's say if this transition service member goes back to school, well, they still have financial obligations they have to meet, whether it's children, whether it's renting a home, buying a home, you know, we all have bills to pay, you know, so the the spouse could suddenly, the spouse of the transition service member could suddenly find themselves in a position of having to provide because the um, housing stipend that you get from, if they go to school is often not sufficient to uh, support an entire family. You know, um, even if they, especially if they don't get any disability rating compensation, um, you have to factor all those things in. These days, cost of living is through the roof in so many places. Um, so just both need to be actively involved in the process and every every potential contingency that could happen. Just you have to try and plan for those well in advance. So. Hey, you make a good, good point there is that, you know, it's really important to research cost of living where you think you want to go because the cost of living in New York is very different than, you know, even Alabama, right. Or Arizona or, you know, versus California even. So, yeah. Even then, you know, a lot of families, military families may not realize, but like their BAH and their BAS is not taxed. So when you're factoring in cost of living, you have to factor those things in. And then there are other things you buy if you buy a home, a home, you are going to be subject to property taxes, which can fluctuate. Um, I'm a new homeowner as of one year ago, so I understand that. You may not have to put a down payment because of the VA home loan, but you, you know, there's gonna be an earnest deposit, there's going to be closing costs. Um, cost of childcare and schooling can be very expensive mm-hmm. compared to what kind of childcare costs you may have had on post. You're going to have uh, if you're renting an apartment or a home, um, they may want first and last month's rent. So you have to factor all those things into your potential salary, whether or not you're both working. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. I think that's that's really good mm-hmm. advice because we don't think about those hidden costs that no one talks about. Like you said, that first exactly. and last month's rent. Who who would yeah. think that you know when you go in to sign a lease, and you have to do that? That's a big chunk of money. Thing is in certain states, like myself, I live in Maryland, but I work in Delaware, so I'm also subject to Delaware taxes because my Delaware does not share reciprocity with Maryland. So I pay taxes to two states. Another thing is if you're sort of, when you're first getting on your feet after your transition, you may have a storage unit. Storage unit costs can add up very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So there are a ton of hidden costs that people 
don't realize we don't know about. So another thing that you can never start too early is to save money. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I actually recently had a a financial services professional on about building a budget and really just kind of buckling down and getting your financial house in order, in order to open up your possibilities. And I think if we all had that cushion built up, like you said, build that savings, it really would open up our possibilities, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. Um, Just as a kind of a closing question, if you think about like your lessons learned, kind of your words of advice you wish someone had shared with you, what are some of the closing thoughts that you have for, for the listeners about the transition process from the spouse perspective? Be engaged in the process. Spend some time thinking about yourself as well and what you want to do, you know, going forward, it's, it's, you know, it, it, the trans, the, the, it is primarily about the transitioning service member, but again, that transition is going to affect both of you very strongly in different ways. So be prepared to think about, or spend, be deliberate and intentional about your own career aspiration, what you want to do long-term, spend some time thinking about yourself. Um, and just my other biggest piece of advice to transitioning service members is uh, include your spouse in the conversation. I cannot stress that enough. That is really important. You know, I think that it's, um, you know, oftentimes when you become a military spouse, you know that that includes moving, right? You know that includes putting your career on hold. And I love when I hear a service member say, well, my wife followed me around or my husband followed me around for the last however many years. And now it's their turn. We get to live where they want to live. We're going to, you know, let them be focused on their career. And, and I think that's important. But just having that partnership is is really critical, I think, to making this work. That and just, again, transparency and making sound and logical decisions. Don't make bad decisions. <laughs> Don't make bad decisions. Include one another in the conversation. Be transparent and make good decisions. Okay. Well, on that note, I think those are great words of advice, great lessons. It sounds like you've learned maybe some the hard way. <laughs> those yep. are our best life lessons, right? Are those ones that yep. knock us over <laughs> those curveballs that you mentioned earlier, right? Personal experience is often the most effective teacher. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show and sharing your lessons learned and your perspective of the transition as a military spouse. I really appreciate you being here, Rose. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. If you haven't already, please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends. Connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.